This is Live Well Talk on Preparing for Labor. Top questions from expecting parents. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UniPoint Health St. Luke's Hospital. The last few weeks of pregnancy are always the longest. I have no personal experience in that, but I'm told. But they can also be the busiest. Uh, while expecting parents anxiously await for their new arrival, uh, they may work on the nursery, uh, classic nesting, determine the top baby names, but how can parents best be prepared for labor and delivery? It can be a scary situation for someone when they deliver for the first time. For some individuals, it might be the first time they spent the night in the hospital. So meeting with me today is Sherry King, a labor and delivery nurse from UniPoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital Birth Care Center. She's going to answer some of the top questions she hears from expecting parents and share her best tips for the least stressful delivery. Welcome. Thank you. What is the most common question you get? How am I going to get through this? How is my pain going to be controlled? Who's going to be able to be with me? Who's going to teach me how to take care of my baby when I go home? I know, you know, my uh, two daughters are in high school, but uh, it seemed like uh, everybody had uh, an opinion on how we should do stuff with the first one, um, and they were all different. Yes. Uh, so how, how does a young parents uh, expecting their first child sift through that? What's your recommendations? I think a lot of parents, um, boy, Dr. Google is out there, so a lot of them do uh, internet searching and things like that. They talk to other family members and friends. What I recommend they do is come to prenatal classes, go to a Lamaz classes, uh, talk with doulas um, to find out about what is the process of birth, how am I going to get through it, what are my choices, what are some of the things I need to be thinking about. What, let's uh, back up a second there. What is Lamaz? Lamaz is a uh, method of birth that is um, kind of controlling the environment, controlling their pain within themselves, using breathing techniques, using lighting, um, having a birth plan, doing things the way that they want to have things done. What is their outlook for their birth? What do they want that to look like? Some people are wanting to go natural. Some people think they don't like pain at all, so they're going to want an epidural as soon as they come in. So finding out about all those methods, all of those things that they can do to try to um, make the birth what they want it to be. So Lamaz helps them with that. And you mentioned the term doula. Can mm -hmm. you explain that one for me? A doula is someone that uh, the couple will hire to be with them during the labor process. Sometimes they meet with them a couple times before they go into labor to just find out what their preferences are, um, how she can help them do it. I don't know of any male doulas. I think there's only female doulas out there. So it's kind of a birth partner along with their husband, their support person, whoever their family members are going to be with them at the time of birth. Um, so it's someone that is there for her specifically one-on-one -on -one to help her with breathing, relaxation, suggestions of things to get, to get through her birth plan. You know, you mentioned there's no male doulas. I remember uh, my first delivery as a medical student, and the, the, the mom, obviously, was in labor, and the husband was to the side of the bed, and he smiled at her, and she just, like, you know, she was right in the middle of labor. She's like, what the hell are you smiling at? You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to work. Yeah. They, don't, they don't sit down in the waiting room and wait for They do cigars not. Anymore, do they? No. I've been doing this 39 years, and when I first started, the dads had to go, the, the dads or support person had to go to a class before they were even allowed to stay in the room with them. So boy, have times changed. Now they come in knowing, you know, virtually nothing about it. Some of them have not been to classes. Some of them haven't prepared at all. They have no idea what to expect. 
and they're thrown in this thing and some of them are okay with it and some of them are like, I don't want to see anything, put me where I don't have to see anything, I'm here, not against my will, but I'm here, you know, as a support to her, but I don't do blood or I don't do, you know, pain Which things, so. That's understandable. Um, how about, you know, in the, in the age of social media and we get some request for uh, video or photographic uh, recording of the of the uh, of the delivery and the labor process. As 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 my daughter's older, you know, you realize there we probably have boxes of uh, videos that we never look at anymore. So you don't want to hear this. I'm like, well, they're new parents. You know, if it's their sixth child, they'd be like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to yeah, record right. that. But what 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 is the policy on that? Our policy uh, right now is no videotaping during the birth. Um, it tends to distract the staff that's working with the mom. Um, it, it kind of distracts the support person, too. They're worried about, am I getting a good shot? Am I getting a bad shot? Um, and she needs your help. She doesn't need you to be taking pictures. And most of the time, like you said, you had a, a dad say, what, you know, the mom say, what do you smile about? They tend to go through transition, right. which isn't a happy yeah. time for them usually. So um, she needs that support, and that can distract from them. So we don't allow videotaping of the births. We encourage them to bring their cameras and their phones in to take pictures. And usually at the time right after birth is when they start that process. And most of the time it's the staff have to say, if you want pictures now, it'd be a great time to get that out because they're so caught up in the moment they forget. And that, that is uh, the policy on, on, on this side of the street, on the adult side of the street for adult medicine. No videotaping. Yeah. Uh, because you're absolutely right. Staff start to... Uh, to act rather than perform, you know their their roles, and and it, it can be difficult for some people yeah. being on on camera. Yeah. Um, do you do you get inquiries about people that want to have their baby at home with a midwife? I know that we don't have this. Now I'm going to try to say this word without laughing because I, for whatever reason I always laugh when I say this midwifery. Midwifery. Uh, I don't know why it's not midwifery, but um, do do. do I know we don't have midwives we don't. here at St. Yeah. Luke, but do you get a lot of requests for those? Does that come up? We do. Um, sometimes during our, our tours, that's one of the things that the families will ask. What do you, do you have midwives here at St. Luke's? And actually in Cedar Rapids, there are not midwives that come to the hospital. Um, so we don't. The midwives, um, you know, as a home delivery, having done this 39 years, I've seen a lot that can go very wrong very quickly in even a normal pregnancy, uncomplicated, young mom, no health risks, and something can happen. Um, so I, I discourage that for home deliveries because I just, I've seen what can happen and an ambulance ride three minutes away from the hospital can be too late for mom or baby. Uh, you, that's so true. Uh, anesthesia and obstetrics are two specialties where it's monotony or, uh, you know, or catastrophe. Yeah. And yeah. that's why highly trained physicians are in those specialties because it's pretty day-to-day -day routine until it's not. Right. And then, and then, it's, then, then you have two patients, not just right. one. Um, and I've always said uh, in OB and in labor, you have two patients you take care of. One that you can't see, you can't touch, you can ask questions to, it can't answer you back. All you have is how she's acting, and if you have a monitor on them, how her tracing's looking. That's yeah. how you have to assess that second patient. And things can go wrong in that second patient that you have to act on, just based on what you see. Absolutely. And as you know from your experience and mine, from my experience, that sometimes the numbers and the tracings and the EKGs 
lag a little bit behind the actual clinical situation. Correct. The, the clinical yeah. situation develops a little earlier than it yeah. starts to, yeah. uh, with the ability to measure it, so that yes. you have to be working. Yeah. So, so it's more than just having someone boil some water and tear some rags, like in the old cowboy and, movies. And right? hold babies, yeah. And hold babies, yeah. okay, all right. It's That's a lot more than that. <laughs> do you, do, do, like, I, I imagine this at-home birth and the anti-vaccination movement, this kind of rejection of mainstream science, if you will, which is another whole podcast we could do. Do, do, do you get a lot of those questions that are kind of uh, almost cult-like in a way uh, that come up? Um, we do. Most of the people that uh, that are refused, I, I guess I shouldn't say most of the people, some of the people are refusing those things, have just read it somewhere that it's bad. Um, they've read an article or they've heard something about you know, vaccinations that's harmful. And once we talk with them about the benefits of vaccination um, and medication and you know things like that that sometimes people need, uh, they'll come around and they'll say, I have no idea. I had no idea that there was this much more to it. So they come in with the idea maybe because they've heard it somewhere, but I don't want to do that. But once they hear the benefits of, of the things, you know, some of them will and some of them won't. And um, St. Luke's pediatricians, at least for the babies and the vaccinations, um, most of them will, uh, again, educate the parents and, and um, try to just make sure that they're making an informed decision. What, what percentage of uh, women present, pregnant women present, and they haven't had that prenatal care, that, that establishment of an obstetrician or family practice doctor. Uh, what percentage do you think? You know, the pendulum over the years has swung back and forth a couple of times. Um, right now, we're in a pretty good percentage that I would say probably 60% maybe have got classes or some education somewhere. Um, about birth, the birth process and labor and um, newborns and things like that. It's been much lower than that at times, but I'd say probably on average 60% do have some education when they come in. Okay. At least in this area, I think that could vary a little bit um, regionally. Um, Along those lines um, of pre-planning for pre-delivery, uh, pre-labor, let's call it pre-labor. I think that's actually a medical term. Though, I, <laughs> I think it is. I don't, you know, for the listeners. Prenatally. I, yeah, I do not know, I virtually know nothing about <laughs> obstetrics. So uh, this is all new to me as well, even though I have two child, two children. Um, but um, should they establish a pediatrician ahead of time? It's a good idea to look into the clinics. And we do encourage that when we give our tours. We say, have you got a pediatrician picked out yet? Some of them take their tours very early in the pregnancy. They might have just found out and they're so excited and they just want to start planning right away. And those are, those are really, really fun tours to do. Um, and if, if they wait till later and we've got somebody maybe due in a couple of weeks and we're asking them on their tour, have you got out about your pediatrician yet? And they say no. It's like, okay, we need to think about that because it's important for your child's health to have follow-up care, you know, along the continuum of their life. So... Um, we do talk about that with them and encouraging what some offices call prenatal visits for them. So we, we want them to ask questions of the per- person that they might have take care of their child. You know, what are your office hours and what's your answering service and who's going to call me back in the middle of the night? And do you have holiday hours and weekend hours? And so we just give them some questions that they can ask to try to find the right fit for them, for their child. 
But if, if they should not have that chosen ahead of time, we, we do have resources to provide them at the time Absolutely. of delivery. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. A Unity Point pediatrician would see their baby while it's in the hospital and then probably would do the follow-up afterwards and, until they found somebody that they were comfortable with. What, uh, what, how, how many people know what they're having boy or girl ahead of time? What do you think that Again, is? Again, the pendulum has swung yeah. back. Right now, they're kind of going back to not finding out. I would say it's still very heavy that they find out what it is. There's all the gender reveal parties that people have and things. So I would say it's still a majority, maybe 65 70% that know what they're having. But it's the numbers are getting higher that come in that don't know. Those are, those are fun deliveries. And how many have the baby name picked out ahead of time? Most of them have a list. A list, okay. A list. And mom and dad usually don't agree on the list. So when the baby comes out, somebody wins. So they pick from there. But most of them have a list. Do they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't remember what... My wife always gets her way anyway, so it really didn't yeah. matter. But I, I don't remember us. <laughs> kind of that's how yeah. it is. So the, you've been a labor and delivery nurse for 39 years. Mm-hmm. How many labors have you been in on, do you think? You know, I get asked that question, and I wish I would have kept track, but thousands? Thousands, probably. Yeah. 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 Have you ever been in on a labor of someone that you were in on their delivery? So, uh, Yes, that that is now happening. A second generation, so (laughs) to speak. Yes, that's happening. Yeah, I have been, and, and those are fun. They'll say, you know what? I think you were my mom's nurse. I think your name is in my baby book. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how can that be? But how exciting. And then when I see the mom and we kind of reminisce a little bit about how it was. That's, so. that, that is fun. That, that I mean, that is really, really is. Fun. That truly, really fun. Truly, this uh, healthcare in general medicine is just uh, is a rewarding profession. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm excited every day to come in. Yeah, me too. So one last question. Why, why did you become a birth care nurse? Um. When I was in nursing school, I once I did my OB rotation, I knew that was it. I thought, I don't even have to finish the rest of school. Let me just do this. I, this is what I want to do. I don't need to take the rest of the stuff. This is what I want to do. So then when I got out, um, the passion was still there. And um, I pursued that right away. And I, I just got into it. And I just love it. The miracle of birth, the amazing process of birth and labor and the new little baby that comes out is, and the being part of the family unit for the rest of their lives, like that, that girl that came in that I had been her mom's nurse, you just can't beat it. There, there can't be a better place in the hospital to work. I think it was like my second delivery. I was a medical student and uh, I had a brand new pair of Air Jordans. You know, this was like 1992. <laughs> and, uh, most of the amniotic fluid went down one of them and just soaked it. And I said, no, not for me. This is, this is not <laughs> for me. I'm not, not going to do this. Yeah. No way. No matter the miracle. I said, well, that's a neat miracle. Not for me. I think you love it or you don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's interesting you say yeah. that because it, in, at least here at St. Luke's, you have a, decades of experience we across do. the street. Centuries. Yes. Centuries. Yes. You have nurses that once they we get do. in labor and delivery, they're there forever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll confidently say centuries yeah. of experience. Probably right now, today. Yeah. Working. Well, there were there were uh, the other day, doctor was in talking with the patient, and um, <clears throat> I was in the room, and there were two other nurses in the room uh, when we were talking, and um, he said, "Oh, you have got a, a great tenured team here today." He said, "What is this like?" And I think between the three of us, there were 105 years of experience. Uh, I, so, oh, I, I, wow. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of us that have been I, in I, I think in time. general, St. Luke's has been fortunate over the years to retain 
a lot of frontline nurses mm -hmm. with decades of experience, yes. particularly in labor and delivery, our intensive care unit, yes. our ER, OR, yeah. uh, which as a physician, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. When I moved here, we moved here from Illinois in 1996, and I had been a nurse for 15 years in Illinois. And when I came into the unit, which was still over in this main building on yeah. sixth floor, um, I knew that's where I wanted to work. It just felt like, yep, this is it. This is the type of nursing I want to do. I was born at St. Luke's, and my first office when I started the hospitalist program, the adult hospitalist program, uh, was the same wing that I was born on. Oh. Uh, so I always said that if I died, they'd say he never went anywhere. Um, <laughs> Well, this is great information, Sherry, and I thanks for coming by. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this. I enjoy talking about topics that uh, that I, I'm not familiar with. For more information or to schedule a tour of St. Luke's Birth Care Center, visit unitypoint.org slash baby. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest for talk on podcast, shoot us an email at stlukecr at unitypoint.org. And we encourage you to tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers uh, about our podcast. Until next time, be well.